Okay, you gorgeous being. Congratulations on making it to another week, you resilient minx, you. <laughs> so what I want to talk about today is not an idea that I have entirely fully formed. So I'm going to try to work it out with you as I try to understand it myself. It's one of those things that continues to be in the paradox of both and. And if you've been around me at all, uh, eventually you will hear me say the paradox of both and. Our culture, our culture really loves to convince us that it's either this or that. You're with me or you're against me. It's up or it's down. It's right or it's wrong. And our own minds love that framing because certainty feels good. Certainty gives us the illusion of control. If I can say that this thing is this thing and not that thing, then I'm in control of it. I can let go of all of my worries and anxieties and dance off into the sunset with pure joy. I don't know if you can hear it, but the dogs are playing bitey face and wrestling in the background. Uh, they're having a good time. Don't worry about it. While we're paused in the stream of consciousness here, thank you for being here. Truly, thank you. Thank you for being here. I um, don't take for granted your time and your attention. And I would make the argument that your time and your attention are your most precious resources. So it is a true honor for you to share any amount of it with me. So thank you. So the binary situation that I'm trying to reconcile in my own mind, kind of map onto two worlds that I stand in. I stand in the world of mainstream, mainstream psychology, mainstream business, mainstream um, self-help. And I also stand in the world of metaphysics, spirituality, and consciousness. So I'm often dancing in those two worlds and wanting to buy into those aspects of either and or both, which are most resonant with what feels true to me and what creates results in my life that feel the most peaceful to me or create the most joy, something along those lines. So some, something that's in my awareness often is the loneliness epidemic. I was listening to the Next Big Idea podcast. It's a fun one. They do uh, summaries of books sometimes. So I'm listening to the Next Big Idea, and there's an, there's an author with a book out right now about loneliness. And part of the difficulty with loneliness is that it becomes a self-perpetuating cycle. Once we buy into I'm lonely, we start to become afraid and suspicious of other people which makes us act kind of weird, which makes people not want to spend time with us, which makes us feel lonelier, which makes us not want to spend time. At the same time, we have this loneliness spiral. We also have this popular cultural ruthlessness about who we spend time with. There's this idea that We should eliminate from our lives anyone who makes us uncomfortable. 
you may be protesting my use of language. It's phrased as, that person is toxic, cut them out. Loneliness epidemic, that person is toxic, cut them out. So what that can do is first of all, further and further isolate people who are earlier in their recovery from the drama trauma of their upbringing. Anyone who's different, whether it's their neurodivergence, their social identity, their gender identity, their racial identity, fill in the blank identity, um, their political affiliations, whether they smoke or not, that person is toxic, cut them out. That's good advice in as much as there are some people who are going to be very, very bad for you. And there is truth that we become like the people we spend time with. There's the Jim Rohn quote, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. There is the research in social psychology that the people around you are contagious. That's real. That's true. If a friend of a friend gets divorced, you're more likely to get divorced. It's not even your inner circle. It's your circle circle. The people you surround yourself with and the people that they surround themselves with are contagious and they will affect you. I think what's happened is we have toxified that wisdom into just shutting people off and shutting people down for the slightest offense against our ego. Now, what do I mean by ego? Uh, I, I mean ego in the Buddhist sense, not the Freudian sense. So in the Freudian sense, you have your id, your ego, and your superego. And the id being your lower base impulses, the superego being your controlling conscious um, <laughs> socialization, and the ego being the balance amongst them. Not that. We all need an ego. We all need a sense of self, to some degree, in order to function. In order to function, you have to have some sort of sense of who you are. So I'm not talking about that ego. I'm talking about the Buddhist sense of ego, which is the personality that we have encrusted on top of our true essence. If you can imagine like a little um, circle, like a little ball, and all of our thoughts and feelings and experiences and the way that we've added meaning to them begin to pile on top of this ball until the ball gets bigger, bigger, and bigger, bigger, and bigger. Ooh, I just thought of a better one. It's like a snowball <laughs> rolling down a hill. That stuff, our personality, that crust, our ego is not necessarily created from the trueness of who we are, from the essence of our spirit, from our most enlightened selves. It's created sometimes from the trauma that we've created, the programming that our traumatized family gave us, the desire to fit in, the desire to control, all kinds of icky, yucky stuff. So... We have this personality that is not necessarily created out of the, the truth of who we are. And we begin to cut people off based on their personality because of our personality. It's as if we are people wandering around in spacesuits. And when someone else's spacesuit bumps our spacesuit in the wrong way, we decide to throw them out and forget 
that there's a person inside of there. There's a person inside of there. So yes, we be like who we be with. We become like who we spend time with. Emotions are contagious. Attitudes are contagious. So that being said, yes, it is wise to have some discernment about the people with whom we spend time. The paradox of both and is, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you are not American or you don't know the origin of that particular colloquial phrase, back in the day uh, when people didn't have hot and cold running water, they would heat up the water and they would all take a bath in the same water, starting with the oldest male and then going downwards to the youngest female. So by the time you put the baby in the bathwater, the bathwater was often like really, really dirty. So you couldn't see the baby. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So the paradox of both and is you do want to curate the people with whom you spend the most time. But I, I've been thinking about rather than cutting people out, I think it might be helpful to focus more on adding people in. It's an idea that people in the nutrition space are using these days to try to combat diet culture. Diet culture has been a long time about restriction, about cutting out, cutting out, cutting out, cutting out. Want to be healthy, eat only meat. Want to be healthy, cut out all meat products. Want to be healthy, don't touch a carb. Want to be healthy, live on air and fruit. Cutting things out. And lately, the new messaging is around, don't worry so much about what you're cutting out. Think about adding more vegetables. Start your eating with a whole bunch of vegetables. Add more vegetables and let your health evolve from there. So I want to apply that to this idea that we become like the people we spend time with we be like who we be with, to adding more people in rather than cutting out Lucy, who may just be a little awkward because she's gotten lonely because we had a pandemic and we all text each other instead of calling. Hint there, you will feel lonelier no matter how many people you're texting versus how many people you get to hear their voices. Texting lonelier than phone calls, phone calls lonelier than face calls, face calls lonelier than spending time in person. So rather than cutting out people who may be socially awkward, who may not share all of your beliefs, who may weigh more than you want to weigh, who make who may make less money than you want want to make, add more people. Listen to podcasts of inspiring people. Buy books biographies about inspiring people. Go make friends in a different arena of your life. If you are surrounded by people who, for example, are just really content to go to their jobs and then come home and um, watch TV all day, okay, great. You don't have to like never see them. But if you organically add other people who like to go rock climbing after work, then you're going to have a better balance. You're not going to see that group of people every day because on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you're out rock climbing after work with this other group of friends. 
So you don't have to get into this toxic judgment. And that's really the bottom line of where I think um, it was starting to hurt my heart. I've been following this uh, rabbit trail of there's um, an author, uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who wrote a book, which I think uh, has a really great idea about future self. And it's about rather than living from your past, it's living from your future self so that you make those choices in the present. Brilliant. So then I started going down the rabbit hole. And then he has this other book, um, 10X is Better Than 2X, or Easier Than 2X, uh, which he wrote with, uh, co-wrote with another person who is a business strategy coach. I think it's the guy from Strategic Coach. And that one gets a little toxic. It's 80-20 principle. Cut out the 80% of things that are not serving you towards your impossible goal. Okay, cool. Yes. Yes. If you want to have big results, you're going to have to make big changes, but it starts to get super toxic because rather than looking at your environment, which includes the people in it with the eyes of love and generosity and gratitude, we start to look at them as either assets to our selfish ego-based goals or obstacles to our selfish ego-based goals. From my point of view, if your goal is to learn the truth of who you are, which is that we are all one beautiful, gorgeous being, that there is no you, there is no me, there's only a giant we doing the best that we can on this gorgeous planet of ours. If your goal is to create greater union with your higher self, with consciousness, with with unity, with prosperity, with gratitude, if those are your goals, you're going to look at people a whole lot differently than if your goal is, I want to make a million dollars a year and you only make $50,000 a year. So I refuse to talk to you anymore. Like that's narrowing the people in your life to the one tiny little aspect of their presentation that aligns with your ego-based goals. And if you are okay with that, fly, be free. You do you. I'm not here to judge you for your goals. I'm suggesting that there is another way to go. And that is to look at the people around you based on their value and their values. And if there's a gap, if you are noticing that there's some part of your aspiration that you're struggling to achieve rather than saying, I got to, you know, cut off the dead weight. Maybe it's better. Hmm. That's a judgment. There's an opportunity to expand, expand your circle, expand your circle so that if you're going by the 80, 20 principle, right? If you have 10 friends and you're going to cut out 80% of them, in order to surround yourself with the 2% of people who are in alignment with your financial goal, that's pretty harsh. But if you have 20 people in your life, then you're able to surround yourself with more people who are in alignment with your goals without harshly needing to just distance yourself from those other people. You will organically have more options. I'm not sure if that's, if that's coming across I mean, the math is, is, is crappy. You're like, well, then you're just cutting off more people. What I'm really, what I'm really talking about is adding instead of subtracting. Okay. 
here we go. <laughs> I mean people. I mean people. And I mean acquaintances. I mean acquaintances. Your time is limited, you know? So is it better to have two really great friends than a hundred acquaintances? Depends on your personality. The reason why I'm talking about adding instead of subtracting, because I, I am actually in this space of really winnowing down to essentials. And if you're essentialist, you're like, no, 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 subtract, subtract. The reason why I'm talking about in terms of people is adding is so that you are not tempted to fall into the trap of treating people like things. If I'm looking at everyone as, are you an asset or an obstacle? That is belittling the human spirit. That is depriving them of their dignity. And we don't have a right to do that to other people. So to use my example, if I feel that my current group of friends spends way too much time watching TV, I want to add more friends into my circle and then maybe focus on how I'm spending my time rather than judging the people in my life. It's yeah, it's in that gray area. It's the 80, 20, it's a juggling act. It's a juggling act. Uh, the more you judge other people, the smaller your, your heart becomes. So it's not about judging them. It's about, okay, what's my high value use of my time? I think rock climbing on Tuesdays and Thursdays is a better value use of my time for the person that I want to come than watching TV. So in that case, you could even be like, Hey guys, do you want to go rock climbing with uh, Lucy and Jamil and I, and then they have a choice too. Okay. You be like who you be with. So yes, choose carefully who you be with and find the kindest, most generous way to make those decisions to save yourself and others from falling into the trap of treating other people like objects. Other people are not a problem. They're not assets or obstacles. They're just another version of you. They're just a sweet little being wandering around the world doing the best that they can. You know who else is a sweet little being doing the best that they can? You are, you saucy minx, you gorgeous being, you fabulous person. You are amazing. That's who you truly are, is this really beautiful, wonderful person. And anything that isn't like that is like some icky sticky stuff that got added onto you by your past. Let that go. Shake it off. You don't need it. Live from your future self. Be kind to everyone around you. Be kind to yourself. And start moving forward toward the goals that make your heart sing. Because you're whole, perfect, and complete just the way you are. And yeah, you deserve to have good, fun, awesome stuff. All right. Wow, this turned out longer than I thought. Until next time. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to the Mental Wellness Wake-Up Show, a weekly podcast where growth-minded, creative people come to learn best practices from both spirituality and psychology that create lasting well-being. 
I am your host, mental wellness expert, improvised acting teacher, therapist, and coach, Dawn McMillan. Let's get to it. I am so honored that you share time with me. If you've listened this far, then something here was of value to you. Would you please be a friend of the podcast and share it with at least one other person? The podcast is available on most platforms, including YouTube, and I need your help to get the word out. So please like, subscribe, and share, and a five-star review on iTunes would be chef's kiss. Thank you so much. See you next time.